Welcome into episode number 14 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. I'm Matt Dean, broadcaster and communications coordinator for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, the advanced A affiliate of the Houston Astros. Episode number 14 coming your way for the week of August the 9th through the 15th, and we were bringing you our second player guest, formerly a Big Ten Player of the Year, last year's home run leader for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, Jake Adams, calling in from his hometown in South Dakota. He joins us on the show this week. Uh, Before we get into our conversation uh, with the right-handed swinging slugger, a few news and notes uh, from around the majors this week. Uh, We continue to follow the exciting early careers of a number of former Fayetteville arms. We've talked about the electric stuff that Anoli Paredes possesses. Last week, we chatted with the Woodpeckers manager, Nate Shaver, about the vibrant personality of Anoli Paredes, and that was on full display this week uh, on uh, the Astros television broadcast on AT&T Sports Southwest. Take a listen on the interview and some clips they had uh, that they rolled on the air while Anoli Paredes was pitching uh, this past week. There he is, Anoli Paredes taking over here in the sixth inning. We learned the other day before the game, just yesterday, about his personality. Julia knows him from spring training. I got to talk to him for the first time, and Julia asked him a question about a little promotion that happened while he was at the minor league level. When you were with Fayetteville, do you remember taking a picture with cannolis? Oh, yeah, that was funny because <laughs> I, I didn't know that that was, like, close to my name. Then when I get in Twitter that I saw the picture in Noli Canoli, that was funny. I sent it to my mom, to my dad. That was funny. <laughs> did you even did you know what a cannoli was? Have yeah, you, I have you eaten one. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You learned that day or you already knew? No, that day I learned. <laughs> because <laughs> we didn't saw that in Was it in good? Yeah, it was good, it was good. Love that guy. <laughs> the personality kind of seals the deal, doesn't it? That was great. He is the best. He smiles like that all the time. He is the happiest guy. But how about that promotion? <laughs> I could hear him say Enoli Cannoli like 20 times yeah, in a row. Yeah, just put it on a loop. <laughs> there it is. Sweet Martha's Cannolis. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh. So good. Even just listening to the audio, you can just hear the big ear-to-ear grin that Anoli Paredes carries around with him all the time uh, when he's off the field especially. Uh, They were referencing the promotion that that we, the Woodpeckers, did last season with the Anolis Cannolis great photo uh, of Paredes standing there with a big tray full of cannolis uh, on a a promotion of food item that we had out at Segura Stadium last year. Great photos that you can check out of that on the Woodpeckers social media accounts. Paredes really impressing on the mound as well. 3-2-4 ERA. He's punched out nine over eight and a third so far in his big league career. That clip uh, from AT&T Sportsnet Southwest from Tuesday night when he threw an inning and two-thirds a run allowed but held the lead in an eventual Astros loss. Julia Morales, the field reporter who you heard interviewing Paredes in that clip, she said that was her favorite interview she's done on the job so far. So Paredes, he's really capturing the attention of baseball fans, not just with his stuff, but with his vibrant personality that we've heard so much about on this podcast too. 
Framber Valdez will get the ball for the Astros, who have Thursday night off. Uh, he will pitch on Friday night for Houston, and then another Woodpecker alum of note, Christian Javier, gets the ball looking for a bounce-back start on Saturday. We mentioned last week his first two big league starts were tremendous. Got the win against Madison Bumgardner in Arizona, most recently on August the 4th. Last time out was tough against the red-hot Oakland Athletics in a 7-2 defeat. He gave up five runs in just three innings of work. Uh, So looking uh, to get back on track uh, is Javier uh, as he gets uh, set up uh, to make his next start on Saturday against the Mariners at Minute Maid. Also of note on the alumni report front, uh, history made Monday night for the Woodpeckers as Jonathan Araos became the first former Fayetteville position player collecting the first major league hits. Uh, by a guy to appear in a Woodpecker's uniform last year. He snapped an 0-for-9 slide with a three-hit, two-RBI night, getting his first major league pair of ribbies and hits all in the same night for the Red Sox at Fenway Park against the Rays. Uh, So that was a significant moment uh, for all the guys that have had an impact at the big league level this year. Uh, Johan Ramirez, another guy to keep an eye out on. Much like Arauz, he also was taken up in the Rule 5 draft by another another organization, Ramirez now with the Mariners. Uh, they kind of took him on as a reclamation project, led the minor leagues in walk rate last year, but also had one of the highest K rates. It was bested only by Luis Garcia and Christian Javier, his teammates, across all of the minor leagues among guys that threw at least 100 innings. Uh, Ramirez has got really good stuff, as noted by Mike Petriello uh, with the StatCast data, his first 50 two big league sliders have averaged more than eight inches above average on movement. He's got some really potentially wipeout stuff at the major league level. A couple of guys outside the Astros organization to keep an eye on uh, in the majors this year. Without further ado, we'll get into our guest for this week, the Fayetteville Woodpeckers home run leader from 2019, the big swing and right-handed bat of Jake Adams on the other side in episode number 14 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. <laughs> I'm excited to welcome my next guest. He is a former sixth-round draft pick of the Astros at the University of Iowa in 2017. Last year, a mid-season all-star selection in the Carolina League with the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, uh, coming off a big year between the Carolina League and AA, hit 248, OPS of 757, 22 home runs, which was tied for fifth in the Astros organization in total. 87 runs batted in, second only to Kyle Tucker in the Houston farm system. He was one of just 20 players uh, who did not get up to AAA that hit at least 20 homers last season. A former Hawkeye who was a Golden Spikes semifinalist in 2017, his lone year in the Big Ten when he was the conference's player of the year. My guest today is the first baseman for the Woodpeckers for part of last season, Jake Adams. Jake, happy to have you here. Thanks for doing this. Yes, thank you for having me. So first, we'll kind of catch up with you on uh, how the 
the off season's been for you. We, you finished the year. You got called up to Double A in August. That's the last time some of our fans uh, were able to see you in person. How has the off season gone for you? Uh, what what kind of setup did you have where you're staying, and and how have you kind of you know stayed in shape and then kind of refocused? Obviously, as as the season uh, is kind of a, a wash at this point. Yeah, um, off season this uh, after our season. My regular off season was very good. I uh, got in contact with Ryan Angles, was um, our first base coach in Double A, and he's actually from South Dakota too. So he was down here this past off season, and uh, he was he was helping out working at a gym. Um, so he called me over, and I started working out with him and seen some really good results. And um, obviously, he moved out to Arizona for a little bit with his fiance now now his wife. But um, I just continued working out at that that little facility with the trainer there, and um, it, I mean it's been great. It's I've been seeing a lot of improvements, which has been really good for me because normally I'll just kind of working out by myself coming from South Dakota. There's not a lot of pro athletes that, that are coming from here. So I'm just kind of working out and um, trying to get some more muscle and lose a little bit of this fat and just try to get a little bit quicker too. So it's been, it's been really good and hitting and fielding wise, just um, kind of been doing my same, same old trying to get out in the field, do some ground balls and um, just take some live BP as much as I can from my brother-in-law. When you you know weren't sure if there was going to be a season yet at any point, you were obviously training a little bit differently in case you had to kind of be ready to play at a moment's notice. Uh, did you have you know access to a cage? You said you were just kind of you know throwing with with family and stuff. Like what kind of setup did you have for for staying in shape, especially when when things were so shut down? It's it's changed a little bit. Right. Yeah. I just kind of take took the mentality is there's still a season happening, so I still gotta um, keep my um, the mental aspect of it and everything. And, uh, um, my brother-in-law, he's a pitcher in college. So him and I have been going out to the fields as much as we can. He's been kind of been throwing, not live, but throwing me some, um, BP here and there and, um, hitting me ground balls and everything. I'm just trying to, which just trying to stay focused just in case I did get that call. But yeah, it was, it was kind of hectic there for a little bit. Cause there was nowhere that we could got access to because everything was shut down obviously because of the virus and everything. But South Dakota has been kind of lenient. They've, they've opened a lot of things up and it's, it's kind of, it's been semi-normal, so it's been good in that aspect. Hey, we mentioned the the big home run totals you put up last season. When I was kind of getting ready for this interview, uh, I had I found myself having a lot of, of questions about home runs that have kind of consolidated into one section. Uh, so this episode, was I'm calling the dingers episode, and this is the part where I'm just going to call it talking dingers with Jake Adams. So I'll kind of go through my, my hitters first. For our listeners that aren't as familiar, uh, just so they're you know sure of your qualifications to be the definitive voice on Talking Dingers, you led the NCAA in home runs with Iowa. You hit 29 in 2017, your, your lone season where you were Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, you had 10 in 48 games with Tri-City after the draft that year, 15 a year later in single A, and then 22 last season uh, getting up to double A uh, to finish the year. Have you always been fascinated by the home run it's one of the most exciting things in sports like when do you remember watching baseball seeing a home run and, and thinking wow I, w- I want to do that <laughs> yeah so um at a young age obviously I grew up a twins fan because I'm right here in South Dakota and um, Minnesota is just right on the other side of South Dakota so growing up watching a twins fan and watching Torrey Hunter and some of those guys Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau I'm um, just kind of seeing how how they played and everything and hitting home runs just caught my attention at a really young age. And um, I think my first home run I ever hit was, I mean, eight or nine. And I thought that was pretty cool because now I get a jog around the bases instead of have to sprint around the bases. So, I mean, I guess I was just gifted with the power that I had. I've never really had to work on gaining more power. So it's just been, it's, it's been kind of fun to, 
obviously go to Iowa and have the season I had. Um, never, never in a million years where I thought I would have a season like that at the D1 level, but um, it happened like that. And um, just been kind of working on my swing, just trying to tighten up as much as I can. And I think it's been helping me uh, as I grow in the, my professional career. You've had 47 home runs since becoming a professional. You, you hit one, basically one every 23 plate appearances. Which one stands out in your mind the most? I know your first pro game. I think it was your first at bat you hit a homer. That might be one. But which one or two maybe stand out to you of all those home runs you've hit so far? Yeah, obviously that uh, that first professional at bat, obviously you have a lot of things going through your mind and you want to do so much up there at the plate just because you want to impress a lot of people. And so I remember getting up there um, my, my first at bat and I mean, I'm shaking up there. My insides are shaking, my hands are shaking, I'm sweaty. And I think the first couple pitches that I, I seen, one was a fastball and I, I, I just took a big hack at it and missed it. And um, I think the next pitch he threw me was a slider curveball that wasn't even close to the zone, but I was just so anxious and swung at that one. And then had to step out of the box a little bit and take a deep breath and got back in my count. And um, I think he left an off-speed um, pitch um, over the middle of the plate and put a good swing on it. And I, I just remember that feeling coming off that bat. And I'm like, oh, boy, I hit this one good. Just please get out. And um, that one snuck over the fence. That one was um, probably my number one. Um, but uh, I think probably tri or, uh, Quad Cities um, was probably another – I had a lot of memorable home runs there just because coming from Iowa or playing in uh, Iowa in college and everything. And um, I think that was probably my best, my best season right there was when I was with quad cities a little bit. And um, I was feeling myself and I had a couple um, two, I think it might have had a three home run game here or there, but I think that first one, probably my, my number one. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably heard a few extra cheers when they said your name, even before you did anything when you got oh, to yeah. quad cities. Yep. Yep. <laughs> one thing too, that that's interesting. I mean, I thought it stood out to me. You said, you know, you've never really had to, to think about hitting for power. It's kind of been a natural gift for you. Uh, I was looking at, at some of your numbers. Uh, th- some of the minor league spray charts aren't always entirely accurate, but you have, I think one opposite field home run. So your power is coming from the pull side, but your spray chart is actually pretty evenly distributed in terms of just where you're hitting the ball overall. I think, you know, maybe not even that long ago, that would be kind of a criticism. Oh, he's all pull with the power. Now we see so many guys in the big leagues talking about, you know, getting into their pull side to tap into the power. What kind of has generally been your approach uh, and, and what's kind of your evaluation of, you know, hey, when I'm pulling the ball, I'm not trying to do it all the time, but that's like when I'm going to have the most success. What's kind of your your thought process on on the approach in that regard? Yeah, obviously I've been a big pull hitter guy. I mean, going from high school to my junior college to even Iowa, I mean, 98% of my home runs and hits were to right field or to left field. And, uh, but I know going up and up in the organization, um, these pitchers are starting a little bit better and they'll start um, locating the ball a bit better. So my approach, when I'm getting up there. I just got to look right center. My I, cause I know my hands and my eyes are quick enough to get to that ball. So I, I, I kind of set my sights to right center, but there, there'd be some times where I get really pull happy and, I think I'm right on balls and I, I'm just hooking them foul. Just, I mean, and I'm like, what, what am I doing here? And I, I just have to tell myself, Hey, sit back, look for right center. And just so I can let the ball get a little bit deeper and then I can start driving some of those um, balls out to left field. But yeah, I think that that only home run that I hit to right field was I think in tri city, I think I kind of got lucky. I wasn't going to swing and let the ball get deep. And 
Um, I hit it and it just snuck over. And I think that was actually, we're in the ninth inning with two outs. We're down by one. I think I just snuck that one over right field to tie it up. And then we end up hitting a walk-off um, single up the middle off that one. So that was kind of a memorable one too. But yeah, it's mainly just try to stick to the middle of the field. And I mean, things are going to happen. Cause I already, I trust my hands, my eyes to, to get to the ball. Yeah, that's good insight. Uh, you mentioned you, you grew up a Twins fan and, and some of those names, you know, Torrey Hunter, Joe Maurer that you were watching. In the big leagues now, who, who are some guys that uh, that you, you know, step back and, and see them hit home runs that, that really, you know, turn your head or wow you? Who are some guys you like to watch right now? Um, I mean, I, I think Judge, just because just how big he is and how hard he hits the ball, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine playing in the infield when he's hitting just because the the speed that's coming off his bat is just unbelievable. And, uh, I mean, I grew up kind of a Stanton fan too. I know he's he's been hurt in the last few seasons and whatnot, but um, he was another fun one to watch. He had a lot of home runs. and uh, um, But the one that I kind of stuck with from the Astros, so last year I kind of had a little um, struggle there. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm watching a bunch of bunch of players, and I sat back and I looked at Brantley, and he's just so relaxed and so quiet up at the plate. And I mean, he, he still drives the ball. He hits the ball really hard. He still hits home runs. So I was like, okay, I'm a big guy. I know I don't have to swing as hard as I can to hit this ball out. So um, I remember towards the end of my high A in, in um, Fayetteville, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go up there. I'm just gonna set the bat on my shoulder. I'm just gonna be nice and relaxed. And I think that really helped me out just trying to quiet down everything. So I was trying to go too quick. And um, he was one of those guys that I kind of just imitated my swing, even though he's a lefty, but I just kind of took some pieces that he did to my game and it's helped me out a lot. Awesome. You had maybe your most exciting stretch last year uh, after you got called up to double a uh, August 11th through the 14th, you had four straight games with a home run. Uh, I, I hear guys talk about, you know, swings and, and, a week or two in the season where it's just like, I don't they can't even tell you what happened. They're like, I just blacked out and I just hit it out. Like it, it what, what was that feeling like? Was that one of those moments where it's, you know, that one week or two where you, where you just don't have to think about anything? Yeah. I mean, I, I just remember I was having fun. It, obviously it's toward the end of the year. Um, we've already had a long season. Uh, it's almost time to go back to our off season homes and to see all the family and everything. So I was just trying to tell myself, Hey, just have fun this last month. Don't worry about what happens. Like everybody's saying how that, that jump from high to double A is going to be the hardest jump in professional baseball. So I remember getting up there and I was a little anxious. I was, it's kind of like my first day B. I was just a little anxious getting up there because I've just been hearing a lot of, a lot of stuff. And um, I was pressing a little bit. And I remember my first at bat, I was swinging really hard. And I, I got out front of a pitch, hit off the end of my bat and snuck it through on um, the first and second baseman over there. And I just had to tell myself, okay, slow down. This is, this game is not any different. So just, just take a step back. And um, after that, I, I settled in for about five or six games. And I kind of went on that little streak of home runs there. And just, it's just one of those feelings, like you said, that you, you kind of black out, you don't know what really happened. You're, you're having fun. You're just relaxed up there. And I mean, your game obviously shows when you're, when you're having fun and you're relaxed. Yeah. Just, you can go watch the video later and figure out what happened, but just have yep. fun in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, all right. Last thing I have on, on the talking dingers subject Guys, when they're going through tough stretches, will go back and, and have a few archive videos of some swings they took, some moments that to boost their confidence back. What, what are the what are the go to Jake Adams uh, confidence builder highlights that that you'll get back to when you're struggling? 
Um, there's one in college for sure. It is a regional. Um, we're at the Houston Regional um, playing um, University of Houston. So Corey Jolks, um, Corey Jolks' team, I think he was in center field that game and um, close game. Um, it was an elimination game and eighth inning. We're down by one. They bring a new pitcher in and it's, I mean, I saw one pitch fastball middle end and farthest ball I've ever hit out. And I was just, I remember I was up there so relaxed. I was like, just, just drive, just drive this ball to the outfield. And um, I think that one went 500, 515 feet, maybe. I mean, it was crushed. Um, the other one uh, for pro was our championship game when we we're in Bowie's Creek. Um, I think it was in the ninth inning also. Um, we couldn't get anything going as one nothing ball game. And um, I crushed the ball down the line and snuck it over. We ended up tying it up and end up winning winning the championship for the Carolina League. And I, those two swings, I, I kind of go back and look at because they're very similar swings. And I just just seeing how relaxed I was up there and wasn't thinking about anything. Awesome. That, that was talking dingers with Jake Adams. I do have a few other questions I want to touch on, but that was fun. Your story is so interesting. I mean, you've mentioned how you're from South Dakota. Uh, not a lot of baseball players coming from there. Uh, you started out in junior college uh, in, in Des Moines area, community college. Uh, you you kind of said, I was, I was reading an article that Baseball America did about you. you. You didn't really have a lot of other options because you were set to transfer to UND, North Dakota, uh, the baseball program, basically out of the blue, they announced they were they were cutting it when they were sort of trimming the athletic department. All of a sudden, you're scrambling to figure out where you're going to go. You didn't have really any other opportunities where you were going to get at least a partial scholarship, and you followed your hitting coach to Iowa. Uh, what was like that craziness like, uh, and just how fortunate did you feel to end up you know, not just at a program where, where you're going to get some scholarship money, but, you know, a huge Big Ten school major program like Iowa. Just how lucky do you feel that that worked out like that? Yeah, it's – I've had a crazy recruiting recruiting process. Obviously, coming out of South Dakota, like you said, it's um, – we, we don't get that exposure from some of these other college, big colleges and because, obviously, it's it's cold up here in the, nor- or in the, in the wintertime and uh, – so we have to be indoors. We can't get outside and play like some of these um, Southern teams and whatnot. So, I mean, I was a good player in high school. I, I mean, I wasn't, I was probably one of the best ones coming out of 2000, the class of 2014, but I mean, I was nothing special. So I, I had some D1 offers in South Dakota, but I knew that I had my mindset. I wanted to go somewhere else and play a big D1. I knew I, I was capable of doing that. So I, I chose a junior college route and absolutely loved the two years that I had there and um, put up some, put up some big numbers, but um, going into my sophomore year in the fall time, I wanted to commit to a school just so I didn't have to think about it during my season. And the only two teams that reached out were Houston Baptist and University of North Dakota at the time. And I was like, okay, I got two options here. I um, don't, I kind of want to wait now, but I've already had my mindset. So I, I took a visit to both of them. And I actually had a buddy that was from South Dakota that was up at um, UND already. And he was just telling me all about the program. He loved the program. So I went up there and just fell in love with it, fell in love with the coaching staff and everything. And so I was very happy. I was content with my decision. And I remember we're sitting out at practice one day and at, at DMAC and taking BP. And one of our coaches comes over to another coach. because so we're doing some fielding stuff. And he said, hey, something about North Dakota. And I was like, oh, we're getting North Dakota kid here, DMAC, no big deal. It's not going to affect me. So I go on about my business, and um, our ace pitcher at the time, 
um, came over and he goes, Hey, did you hear what happened? I said, no, what happened? He goes, UND just announced that they cut the program and my heart sank. Um, it's already late. Like we're a week away from the conference tournament. So I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do. My head's not in practice anymore. And so we get through practice and I go up in, into my apartment and grab my phone. And I, I had 30, I think 33 missed calls from players at UND to the coaching staff, to, to everybody. And so I called him back and he just said, yeah, they just came out of nowhere. We had no idea or else we went to recruited you. Like we feel so bad. Just, just hold on a little bit. We're going to have a meeting. We're trying to get the program back. I said, okay. So I waited for about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And by this point, conference tournaments already um, came and gone. And um, so I was like, I got to open my uh, recruiting process back up. And now, now I'm struggling. I was like, okay, do, do colleges even have any money for me? And uh, luckily enough, our hitting coach that we had at DMAC played for um, Coach Heller at Iowa. So he, he sat me, sat me down and he goes, Hey, how would you like big 10? Like, I can't promise anything, but I have a word in with them. Like, would you want me to reach out? I was like, absolutely. So he reached out to Iowa, and they're like, yep, come down on a visit. Let's let's see um, if he likes it or whatever. So um, I get down there, and, I mean, fell in love with the campus right away. Like, Iowa City is a beautiful place. It, it was really fun when I was down there on my visit, and um, they threw me some money. I obviously wasn't really happy with it, but at the time, I mean, that was the best offer that I had. So I, I kept my options open, and um, – for about three weeks there, I had about two or three colleges call me a day, like, hey, like, come down and visit, but we don't have any money for you the first year. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm already made up my mind. I was giving me some money. It's close to home. I love the campus, everything. So I um, called, called Coach Heller back and committed. And I mean, just fell in love with Iowa City. And I mean, I, I think if I would have went to UND and had the season I had, I, I went to win as high in the draft or maybe not even got drafted at all. So I just feel fortunate enough to have the season I had at Iowa and put up those numbers and get to where I am today. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, had that massive season we mentioned, 29 homers and 61 games. You basically hit a home run every other game with Iowa. Um, it was the school record by plenty. It was the Big Ten record. You mentioned, too, falling in love with the campus in Iowa City. Uh, did you know, did you take advantage, you know, just being at a power five school, you know, as a student, like attending football games, did you get to kind of, you know, enjoy the, the, the big time college experience a little bit while you were there? Oh yeah. We, uh, obviously I think, I think I went to almost every home game. Might've been a couple night games that I might not have made it to because the tailgate and everything, but, um, yeah, I got out and I, I got to enjoy the nightlife on the weekends and, um, the basketball games, the football games. And, I, um, the one sport that I, I, I really loved, I, I was a wrestler for eight years growing up. So I, I had that wrestling background and obviously I was known for wrestling. So I think that was honestly my favorite sport to watch is going to those wrestling matches and being in that, in the, um, Carver Hawkeye arena and just, just hearing it erupt from just a takedown was just something really cool. And, um, I still even follow Iowa wrestling cause it's just something very special to have going on there. Yeah, that's it's huge in Iowa, and, and I imagine that trickles over to South Dakota too. A lot of a lot of good high school wrestling talent out there. Yep. Iowa uh, was a great experience for you, and and you talked about how you got to kind of follow your hitting coach through, uh, which really helped you uh, have a big year in the Big Ten, working with that same consistent uh, consistency year to year. Um, how have you kind of 
taken your game further since joining the Astros? Uh, what kind of eye-opening experience has that been uh, in terms of learning about yourself as a player and, and getting even better? Yeah, so um, I'm going to take you back to Iowa, though. So when I committed there, uh, our DMAC hitting coach stayed at DMAC for um, one more semester. So we actually had a new hitting coach at Iowa named Pete Lorsted. Um, he's actually in our conference. He was at NIAC Community College. So it was one of our rivals that we had at DMAC, and he, he was there for, I don't, I don't know how many years, 20 seasons maybe. Um, just a very well-known guy. He's, he, he knows his hitting stuff. And um, so he was with us at Iowa in the fall, and he, he already knew the type of swing that I had. So he just kind of tweaked a little bit of um, just tightening up my swing and um, just kind of being ready for my pitch. And he ended up getting a call from the Cleveland Indians. So he took that job um, after the fall, and that's when we got our DMAC hitting coach. So it was an easy transition, obviously, because I already had the DMAC hitting coach, Sean Moore. I already had him for a season, and then Pete – Pete and Sean knew each other and they've talked all the time. So it was an easy transition for him to come in there right away and keep working with me. I'm tightening up my swing. And that was, that was a good transition that I had there. And then um, getting to that pro level, obviously I had to change my swing my first year when I was out in New York, I changed it complete 360. It wasn't even my college room anymore. Very frustrated because it was like, I mean, I wasn't hitting very well. I think I hit maybe a buck 70 at best. And I'm like, why did the Astros even draft me? Like I suck. Like, whatnot but um just there's that learning process we, we kind of we kind of joke about it now and saying that's kind of kindergarten we have still we have to learn how to play pro ball now so they're trying to change our swing for the better and um so getting up to the double a level now it's just it's minor tweaks here and there now it's it's just tightening up the swing just trying to feel good about yourself don't don't try to change this big picture just change a little little things we already got to this point already with the swing that we have so it's it's nothing major at this point as guys get more experienced and and get into pro ball. I'm always impressed with seeing those guys. You know how much better are you at being able to diagnose your own swing, and, and how much better have you been in that? Especially now, where for the most part, like you have some support and coaches are checking in, uh, you're working out, but like you're kind of on your own a little bit developing. How, how much more well equipped are you at this point in your career than than a few years ago? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know the minute I have a back, bad swing, I'm already like, Oh, I opened up my front side or just, I cast my hands a little bit. It's, I mean, we take thousands of swings throughout the season. I mean, more than thousands of swings. So it's like our body already knows how the right swing that we were supposed to have at this point. So it's, it's just our mind now telling us like, okay, this is what I did. I already know I did it. And then we can check back if you're like, wow, that swing felt good. I don't know what I did here. And that's when some of these hitting coaches, at the um, higher levels, like we can go back and like, Hey, like, what did you see there? And if, if he said it looked like a good swing, then we can go back on video and, Oh, maybe I just dropped my hand just a little bit, but didn't feel it. And um, it's just little things like that. It's, it's, it's been good to um, kind of, like you said, diagnose our own swings instead of relying on a coach be like, Hey, you did this, you did that. Great. Uh, last thing I got for you, this has been, an exciting major league season for a lot of different reasons. Just great to have sports back on TV. Uh, it's been fun for us at the Woodpeckers and our fans to see a lot of your teammates. H how much fun have you had seeing a lot of those guys? Not just get the chances in the big leagues, but like really take the opportunities and run with it. Yeah, it's 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 been really fun seeing um, some of these guys that I, I played with even before the season happened. Like some of the guys we traded away, like Josh Rojas and. Um, whatnot that have made it up to that big league level level with a different team and the success that they've had it's, it's been really cool but 
Um, I mean, Christian Javier and um, Noli has been one of my great friends. Obviously, because we've been at every level together, and we kind of we know each other really well. And just seeing how how they're doing at the big league level, it's just it's been really fun to watch them succeed at the level. We knew that they they obviously had the talent and and the pitchers to succeed up there, but now actually seeing it live and seeing them do really well, it's been really fun to watch them um, live out their dream. All right, again, I want to thank our guest on the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast this week, first baseman Jake Adams. Uh, Jake, stay healthy, stay safe, and looking forward to, to seeing you get back on the field next year. Sounds good. Thank you, and thank you for having me again. Thanks again to Jake Adams for hopping onto the podcast for this week. We'll be back next week, Friday, uh, with another a pair of guests we're expecting uh, to get back to for episode number 15 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. A couple of last housekeeping notes uh, that we do each week are Woodpeckers Rewind moment from last season. We highlight some of the top moments of the inaugural season of Woodpeckers Baseball in 2019. This week was an easy decision. It comes from August the 14th of last season, a record-setting 13 strikeout performance by Johansi Torres leads the way in a Woodpeckers 8-2 win over the Down East Wood Ducks at Segura Stadium. The 24-year-old righty Torres set a Woodpecker's individual record with his 13 punch-outs while allowing just a run in six innings of work, while the pair of home runs by Scott Schreiber and Scott Manea provided the run support in a crucial win for the Woodpecker's playoff chances down the stretch. Our Woodpecker's Rewind moment from 2019, August the 14th, the 13 strikeout performance by Torres. And then we'll check in quickly on our OOTP virtual 2020 season with the Woodpeckers. Uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks for Fayetteville uh, with our out-of-the-park baseball simulation. They've gone 2-5 and five for a second straight week, a loss on Sunday versus Myrtle Beach, and it was a four-game split with the first-place Pelicans. They've been a powerhouse in our OOTP simulation this year. Bounce back after an off day with a 15-inning win on the road in Lynchburg Tuesday, but ultimately just a pair of wins and five losses in the previous week for the virtual Woodpeckers in our OOTP simulation. Nate Shaver's club now 59-59 and 59 on the year, although it looks like it's been some bad luck for the Woodpeckers this year. They have a plus 45 run differential. Their Pythagorean win-loss record, they should be by that, a 10-game over 500 team, but they're at an even 500 and 22 and 26 in the second half, six behind the powerhouse Pelicans. The Cubs affiliate have a plus 157 run differential, and then down east also the plus 80 mark. Uh, the two really, really good teams ahead of the Woodpeckers in the Southern Division standings of the Carolina League. So that's it for uh, episode number 14, setting up our pair of guests for next week. Until then, this is Matt Dean, broadcaster and communications coordinator, signing out on episode number 14 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. <laughs>